Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Conzin. Sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Conzin is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage, here's Jennifer. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Jennifer Conzin with The Art of Intimate Marriage. And we have been covering some different topics. If you are wanting to hear previous broadcasts, you can go on my website, theartofintimatemarriage.com, and listen to previous broadcasts. We just covered what does the Bible teach about premarital sex and saving sex for marriage in the most recent broadcasts. Today, we're going to talk about an issue that we have mentioned in previous broadcasts, but this is challenging when you have a background in sexual abuse and how it affects the adult sexual marital relationship. So we're going to go into a little bit more in detail today because a high number of individuals, especially women, have some experience in some form of violation or abuse. And even with the best care and the most loving spouse, it can affect the adult intimate relationship overall and the sexual relationship. So one thing that's important is I just want to define what I'm speaking about when we're talking about sexual abuse. It comes in a lot of different packages. And because I I actually have mentioned in previous podcasts, when we get into subjects like this, this may be a bit challenging to listen to. And if your background is in sexual abuse, this could cause some flashbacks. It could cause some memories to resurface. And so you might want to consider if whether listening to this broadcast on your own without anybody supportive there with you may not be the best for you, or you let those who know who are great supports to you, let them know maybe even ahead of time before you keep listening. If you're listening to this live, consider whether you want to listen to the recorded version when you can take some more time to pause and breathe. Because just bringing these things up, if you have a background in sexual abuse, can be very challenging. So to start with, I do want to be specific in what we're talking about. So sexual abuse can be inappropriate touches where there's no touch to the sexual genitals, there's no penetration, but there are inappropriate violating touches that feel like they absolutely cross some kind of line. And if it happens in childhood, children can't always tell that those touches are inappropriate. In fact, it's one of the reasons why when individuals are older, they feel a lot of guilt for not speaking up, for not saying stop, for not saying no. The challenge, though, is that children don't always have the social skills or the knowledge to know that this person of power who is doing these things to them shouldn't be doing these things to them. So the ability to even say no has often not developed or the knowledge that there is a way to say no where they can end up being safer may not be there. And so from young children to teenagers, even to women or men as adults, 
When violating touch happens, even when it's not sexual, there can be all kinds of different barriers to keep someone from objecting. We know this even in positions of power, when there are government officials who do violating things. Here in San Diego, we've had that with the head of our city. And so how do people, especially young people, respond when a violating touch happens by a person in power, a parent, a family member, an older sibling, a family relationship, a neighborhood relationship, a stranger. How does a child respond? Often children will withdraw. They will disappear, really, mentally, because what's happening to their body is a bit more than they can manage, and so they'll disassociate from their body, and especially if the violation continues through the years. Even one time violating touches can be very traumatizing. I have worked with individuals who did experience a one-time violating touch that was non-genital, but it set them on a path of feeling like they couldn't talk about sexuality, they couldn't tell someone about danger that they felt in other areas of their life, that set them on a path of not knowing how to verbalize fears and wonderings that were happening inside of them. So those simple one-time violating touches can be quite traumatizing um, because often of what they lead to. But then definitely if the violating touch is continual and happens over time, especially if it's with a person or by a person who is supposed to be the safe person. So this would be the grandpa, the stepfather, the mother figure, anybody in a position of care who's supposed to be the caretaker. It's especially challenging if those violating touches, even if they're non-genital, if they continue to happen, and this is supposed to be a person that cares for you, that can have a huge impact on the development of the safety a person feels in life overall, the safety they feel about their own body, the safety they feel about sexuality, and the safety they feel about speaking up and saying that they disagree or that they don't like something. So even non-sexual, meaning non-genital, violating touches can cause challenges as someone matures in childhood and into the adolescent years and then into adulthood. And it will often come up as people come into their adult marital sexual relationships. So I'm sitting on this one particular area of sexual abuse for a reason. We can dismiss the level of violation that that can occur because we tend to say, well, that wasn't that serious. Well, it only happened one time. And I want to emphasize that that kind of thinking in and of itself can be a violation and can cause lots of challenges in the way someone thinks and someone responds to overall intimacy, to touch, and to sexuality. So yes, one form of sexual abuse is inappropriate touch. That can be a simple older individual 
glancing touch on the buttocks to a younger child, something simple that's not the vagina, that's not the penis, that's not the breasts, but is the buttocks, which is a very personal area of the body, or a hand to the stomach or a hand to the thigh, intimate areas of the body. And the child will often express when they're older, often they can't say it when they're younger, they'll express that they felt uncomfortable, they didn't know what to say, and they kind of froze. And that's where sometimes disassociation can come in. The other thing that often gets shared with me in my office, both by children that I have worked with, and especially adolescent children, but then definitely adults as they come in later in life and wanting to work through some of the damage that has occurred is when they are exposed to explicit materials. So this is where no touch has happened, but things have been done in front of them, either live or on a screen of some kind, or they've been exposed to some kind of media, either in paper or electronic format. And those explicit materials at a super young age or through, of course, through the teenage and adolescent years, then can create all kinds of feelings that that individual has, both about sexuality. So sometimes it can create early arousal patterns that can lead later to issues with pornography and to sexual addiction. It can also lead to feeling like all sex is dirty and ugly and bad. This very much depends on where those experiences of exposure lead the individual. And so, yes, exposure to sexually explicit materials like pornography or being forced to watch someone masturbate or being um, forced to watch someone have sex or have someone take you along to watch someone having sex, that exposure to sexually explicit material The biggest challenge there also is because of the pictures it leaves in the mind of the individual who is viewing those things at an early age. And especially if it's connected with arousal, if a young child actually experiences arousal, which does happen, then it can come into play in what is arousing or what is actually feeling completely inappropriate as they mature into the adult years. Other things that can happen, we don't often think of these things as sexual abuse, right? Inappropriate touch, sexually explicit materials. We don't think of these things as sexual abuse. And yet another area is sexual comments. And so this would be where there are family members or friends or just people through a child or adolescent's life who make either sexually inappropriate comments about the child or about the the individual as they're maturing through the adolescent years, even into adulthood. So they're hearing explicit comments about their body or about sex, or they're hearing them made about other people around them. So I've had individuals share about when they've had a family member who made negative sexual comments, even about their partner that weren't necessarily comments like, ooh, look at that person or see, and and they weren't positive sexual comments, but they were more negative comments. So this would be perhaps a mother making negative comments about her sexual relationship with her husband to her children or child witnessing parents 
rejecting sexual advances regularly and this child starts picking up on this. So they can be sexual interactions or sexual comments. And sometimes the comments can be negative about sexuality or they can be, they can sound positive about sexuality as in comments about bodies and often where I'll have young Actually, I'll have individuals who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, even into their 50s and older who will share with me that as a child, their adult in their family, either their mother or it's often a male member of their family will comment on women's breasts or make sexual comments or sexual jokes about women or about sexuality or about who they had sex with. And so if a young individual is exposed to that and then they're continually exposed to that then it can again can create all kinds of challenges to the developing sexual person where they don't understand good boundaries or they feel like sex is dirty or they think that this is the appropriate way to interact around sexuality so being exposed to that we don't think oh that's sexual abuse but it is especially sexual abuse, of course, when the comment is made directly to the individual. We might tend to think more in that way. But again, all of these things are not, well, you wouldn't typically put them in the category of sexual abuse, inappropriate touch, explicit materials, sexual comments. And yet they have a huge impact on the development of sexuality as individuals mature. Obviously, then you have violating touches. So this is when the touch is to the genitals. And this can come in many different forms. There are caretakers who will say things about, I am taking care of you physically. The doctor wants me to put this medication on you. And then this caretaker continues to touch this young child or this adolescent child private in private areas of their body that feel violating and it continues to happen and it is clearly no longer connected to anything medical that kind of violating touch where people will use excuses to touch or there's just outright fondling of the genitals to the penis to the vagina and to the breasts yes including the the buttocks as well and so these kinds of touches become much more violating because they are such, you know, areas of the body that are so personal, so private. And then, of course, when the touch becomes penetrative in any way, so penetrative to the anus or penetrative to the vagina or in any other way where sexual touch is forced. So this is even forcing a young child to touch someone else. So this is a young child being forced to touch an adult, either vaginally or to touch an adult's penis and to stroke an adult. I have had individuals share much worse stories, even than those where they were in the middle of the night exposed to someone coming into their room and inserting objects into their body. And I will not go into the details of just how bad that can get, but the level of uh, violation to the body when penetration happens can be severe. The level of violation can be, can cause physical harm to the tissues of the body and it can cause many, many layers of mental health issues, 
fears around sexuality, reactions around sexuality, and difficulties in engaging in intimate relationships. So anytime where molestation becomes physical to the genitals, it is a higher level of trauma and a more challenging process of treatment and healing. So this can occur not just during childhood and adolescence, but of course, any time where any form of rape or molestation has happened as people come into the adulthood and in their adulthood. So it's important to understand that sexual abuse can come in many, many different forms. And in treating sexual abuse, it is vital, or in responding to someone who's experienced sexual abuse, it is vital that their experiences are not dismissed or considered less serious. So considering the importance of this topic, this may be bringing up different questions that you may have as you're listening. You do want to be aware that, again, go and get more um, support. If this is bringing up things for you, you want to contact either a professional or someone who is a trusted spiritual advisor to work through some of the things that even hearing these experiences can bring up. You can also do more reading on these issues. You can go on to my website. There is more there on the blog. You can purchase The Art of Intimate Marriage and the book Redeemed Sexuality that is new on Amazon and do some more reading along the lines of sexual abuse and the healing from sexual abuse. You can also buy The Sexual Healing Journey. It is not a book from a Christian standpoint, but it has much helpful to be said to those going through healing as a couple, especially by Wendy Maltz. So there are a number of resources that you can access. You can also, if you have different questions, send them to me, either about this topic or any topics around sexuality. You can send them to me at jenniferconzen at yahoo.com, my name, at yahoo.com. If you find this helpful, I do want to remind you, this is a listener-supported ministry. And I, I do hear from many individuals who are grateful for these kinds of resources to even be available to them. So you can, if you want to express your gratitude financially, you can go on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage, and make a contribution there. There's a, a link there for that. And there's a link for all the different products that you can buy to aid in your in your marital sexual relationships. So let me come back to, okay, now we've defined what sexual abuse is. How then is that going to affect somebody in their growth, in their later adult relationships? How is it going to affect their mental health and how is it going to affect their sexuality? in their adult years. Definitely sexual abuse affects things emotionally. People experience a lot of guilt, a lot of fear around sexuality and their own physical safety, and a lot of helplessness, especially if it happened in ways that made them feel powerless, which is almost always the case with sexual abuse. And definitely rage and anger. One of the biggest areas of challenge that come up emotionally for individuals with that background is shame. There's a lot of shame attached to why did that happen to me? I've worked with individuals who, you know, things have happened to them. It was clearly wrong. It was clearly a violation. And the thoughts that go through their mind is, 
why didn't I speak up? Why didn't I stop it? And so there's a lot of shame attached to there must have been something I did that caused that to happen or something I should have done to stop it. And so, and then also there can be what is it about me that would have drawn that? So there are a lot of versions of ways that people will self-blame when they've been exposed to sexual abuse in any way. And then also, often people will feel shame that they can't overcome the challenges that come up with sexual abuse. They feel ashamed of how it affects their adult marital relationships, or maybe other people have said comments to them that have made them feel like they're less than because they have a challenge with sexuality. And so shame can very much be involved in well, both the experience of sexual abuse and then even in the process of healing from sexual abuse. There are definitely different psychological effects. So that would be flashbacks. These would be very common. Pictures in the mind. There can be challenges with depression where the overall experience of the abuse causes mood challenges. And so that will come out with depression or anxiety. And sexual abuse is definitely connected with problems with concentration and attention, and it will cause people to be hypervigilant, very, very careful about anybody coming close to their body or touching them in certain ways that others might not take, you know, as a problem, but because of their experiences, it seems very threatening and dangerous. It can cause nightmares. And for some reason, sometimes the nightmares will kind of go underneath for years, and then they'll start showing up later, especially as people start to continue in a long-term marital relationship or in their, when they start having children. And so then sometimes it'll show up in eating disorders, in self-harm, and in suicidality. So there are a number of different emotional challenges that are attached to sexual abuse. Relationally, it can cause problems in an intimate relationship. It can, and then the opposite, it can cause sexual risk-taking where people uh, pursue a lot of promiscuous involvement. It can cause hypersexuality and sexual avoidance, both ends of the spectrum. And then when it comes to physical effects, it can cause different illnesses. Sexual abuse is definitely associated with a higher rate of all illnesses, all cancers. You think, what is up with that? Abuse, all forms of abuse are associated with higher experiences of illness, surgery, cancers. Our mind and our body are very connected, and the challenges with any form of abuse is that it can come out in the adult body as it's dealing with health. It can also cause injury directly to the pelvic floor if, there, if the violations were uh, involving penetration. In the work that I've done with individuals, when it comes to what I mentioned a, a moment ago about guilt and shame, I wanted to share with you some of the words that people have said in my research study. One woman shared about how when she was violated and treated in certain ways, she would look back and think, I think it you know, was it my fault because I was a flirt. And this especially happened as she would review it in her mind as she matured and came into her teenage and adult years. I was such a flirt, and I must have given off some kind of message. Another individual shared the question in their mind, am I still a good person? If this happened to me, am I still a good person? 
Another individual shared that they remembered feeling, what did I do that made him think that that was okay? These are common responses. I had a a woman share that she was touched and violated in a stairwell at a facility and ran up to where her parents were, breathing heavily, ran into the bathroom and thought to herself, I can't tell them this. And so she never did. Like, where does that message come from when sexuality is not openly discussed in the family? Then often what will happen is a child will experience things and in their mind they're thinking it's their fault, so then they don't share it with their parent. So there can be a lot of different experiences during those childhood and adolescent years and the different thoughts that go through the mind that then can carry into adulthood. Today, obviously, we're mostly giving definitions of sexual abuse and the way that it affects people, we'll spend another time discussing treatment and healing. So today is more about just exposing the issues. And the way sexual abuse can affect marital relationships is that there is a higher rate of sexual dysfunction, meaning it doesn't mean that everybody with sexual abuse has sexual dysfunction, but there is a higher rate of vaginal pain, erectile dysfunction, lower desire, issues with reaching orgasm, problems with premature ejaculation, all of those sexual functioning issues are higher when people have a background in sexual abuse. And then obviously one of the big impacts that sexual abuse has is a lower view that the adult has of themselves when they think about themselves as a sexual person. So this is the term about a sexual self-schema, the view of themselves, that that impact of sexual violations has on how the person views themselves. It can also cause flashbacks during sex and even during intimate touches. And that's important to, boy, when it's at that level where it's causing sexual functioning issues and flashbacks or a numbing out or disassociation during sex, It's important to think through, hmm, maybe it would be helpful to get some care, to get some help with working through these issues, because it is affecting my marital sexual relationship, not because I'm messed up, but because of things that happened to me that were wrong, and they had an impact. You know, people express how they emotionally withdraw during sex, or that the idea of having sex brings about high anxiety. So if these are your experiences... Get more support. Talk to a trusted friend, perhaps call a professional. And they can, these there can be healing around these areas and healing within the marital relationship. In our next broadcast, we'll talk about how how to do couples therapy when a background in sexual violations is affecting the couple's sexual relationship. So today is a bit of a a bit of a challenging topic. And I hope you come and listen to the second half, which is on healing and looking at some of what the scriptures say on how to respond to that background. This is Dr. Jennifer Conson with The Art of Intimate Marriage. Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. Now, let's be real. This is not a typical radio program, and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Conson to address here on air, Email her at jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. Conzen is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N. Jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. 
We hope today's program was beneficial to you. And if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. To give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Condon's Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.